are recording this session just so that everyone knows for those of our students who are unable to attend. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joanne Casey. I am the director here at the Career and Professional Development Center. I want to welcome all of you and want to welcome our guests. Um, I'd like to begin by introducing our moderator today, um, Elizabeth Rivera. Elizabeth is with the Human Resources Management Group with the Bureau of Personnel Management, um, and she's here to talk about careers at the Department of Health along with careers with other New York State agencies. So please join me in welcoming Elizabeth. Thanks so much, Joanne. Um, also uh, with me today is uh, Will Novak, and Will will be um, getting into the specific uh, law opportunities at the Department of Health. But thank you to those of, who have tuned in. Um, we're going to be providing an overview of how to find law opportunities and apply for them in the New York State Department of Health. It isn't an overly complicated process, but we'll provide you with an overview so that you can engage in your job search confidently. And I'll also provide you with a high level overview of what the state has to offer in terms of benefits. So to kick off our agenda, um, let's go through here. We're gonna be going over a little bit about the agency itself, employee benefits, attorney positions, hearing officer positions, officer positions, excuse me, how to apply, and we'll round out with a Q&A. And just a reminder, if you have any questions beyond our Q&A session at the end of this presentation, we invite you to submit your questions at any point to recruit at health.ny.gov. So that will go uh, to an inbox that we all share, and we're more than happy to walk you through at any point uh, should you have questions during your application process uh, for state careers. So let's dive right in. A few facts about the New York State Department of Health. The New York State Department of Health has been overseeing the health, safety, and well-being of New Yorkers since 1901, from sanitation and vaccinations to new developments in science as critical tools in the prevention and treatment of infectious diseases. In the face of ever-evolving public health challenges and the healthcare system, the department is committed to protecting the health and well-being of all New Yorkers. Statewide, we have over 4,500 employees, and we have over 450 different job titles in all professions throughout the agency. On this slide, it gives you an idea of our geographic footprint across the state. We have a main office in Albany, regional offices, the Western Regional offices, Office, Central New York by Syracuse, our Metropolitan Regional Office in New York City, and small offices across the state. We have our Wadsworth Center, which is made up of four different laboratories in Albany and Slingerlands, New York, and Helen Hayes Hospital, which is a world-renowned rehab hospital, as well as four veterans' homes. So a little bit more about who we are. DOH conducts many functions relating to the health and well-being of all New Yorkers, and as a result, there are many different divisions that we have. Within those divisions, uh, we also have bureaus and sections. And a couple that I'd like to highlight is the uh, one is fairly new, the Office of Aging and Long-Term Care. This division is charged with ensuring that older adults and individuals of all ages can live healthy, fulfilling lives while aging with dignity and independence. And this division is in charge of development and oversight of law procedures and policies to meet the needs of older New Yorkers and people with disabilities who require long-term care. 
I'm also going to highlight our newly um, established Office of Health Equity and Human Rights. This office addresses health disparities and works to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion within the Department of Health. And its main focus is to research the health, dispar health disparities and develop strategic solutions to address them. So what do we do exactly? Uh, the Department of Health is responsible for setting procedure and law for facilities across the state and New York State of Health, our state's insurance marketplace. We're responsible for the investigation of medical misconduct, the inspections of establishments. We provide assistance and guidance to county level health departments, and we provide education and build awareness around public health initiatives and overall are pivotal in identifying public health threats and establishing vaccines and other solutions. So I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the culture at the Department of Health and that touches upon some of our special initiatives. One that I highlight is the Task Force for Women's Initiatives or TWDI, whose purpose is to advocate on issues that affect women in, New York, in the New York State Department of Health. This group works to promote women's interests and perspectives related to health, family, and work life within the department and in the public through education, outreach, and professional development. Other initiatives include our work with veterans through the 55 BC program, which helps disabled veterans and veterans um, get additional credits on exams. And we also um, have diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. We're constantly looking to fill positions across New York State using a broader range of recruitment strategies, connecting with universities across the United States to reach a broader and more diverse student base and inclusive applicant pool. So let's dive into uh, employee benefits at New York State Department of Health. New York State salaries are competitive and it's important to note that Depending on where you decide to take residence after you graduate, New York State offers geographic pay differentials. This means that there are increases in salary based on where you live to account for higher costs of living and other market factors. The state offers public student loan forgiveness. This means that your student debt balance is forgiven on direct loans after you have made 120 qualifying monthly payments under a qualifying repayment plan. As far as holidays and paid leave, New York State is very competitive. Whoops, excuse me, let me go back here. Um, offering 13 paid holidays annually, 20 days of vacation leave annually after seven years, five days of paid personal leave annually, and up to 13 days of paid sick leave. Many people become interested in working for the state because they've heard about the New York State Employees Retirement System. This system is designed to provide a pension or a guaranteed income after retirement from state service. This plan also provides supplemental benefits such as loan privileges, disability retirement benefits, and death benefits for eligible, eligible employees. Enrollment in the program is mandatory for full-time permanent employees, and retirement benefits are determined by the total years of credited service age at retirement and final average salary. And New York State employees continue to earn service credit when transferring between state agencies. 
As far as healthcare, dental, and vision, New York State offers a variety of options that are affordable for which dental and vision are also provided at no extra cost. Here are some of the other benefits from the full spectrum that the New York State offers, including whoops, New York State Deferred Compensation Plan, a voluntary retirement plan that affords employees the option to invest a portion of their salaries for retirement on a tax-deferred basis, access to savings programs such as U.S. savings bonds and college savings plan, flexible spending account, uh, healthcare spending accounts, and dependent care advantage accounts. These are voluntary pre-tax saving programs that offer you the option to pay for uncovered uh, healthcare expenses or dependent care expenses. Life insurance and disability insurance is available through uh, employee unions, membership in the state employees federal credit union, eligibility for free direct deposit, and the employee assistance program. And this is a program that provides assessment and referral. It connects you with local service providers and support services to address your personal needs. Lastly, to round out our discussion of benefits, for many, working for the New York State Department of Health is so attractive because of this benefits package that I just walked us through. Overall, your state benefits amount to 65% of your entire salary. So that's an enormous amount of compensation that goes beyond your paycheck alone. Um, so that wraps things up on benefits. I'm now going to hand it over to Will Novak, who is my coworker here um, in the Human Resources Management Group. And he's going to go over some of the specific positions in law at the, at the Department of Health. And beyond that, we're gonna dive into our Q&A session. So thank you. Um, so now that you guys have a little bit of a background of what we do here at uh, the Department of Health and, and some of the benefits for working here, I just wanna take a minute to go over some of the positions that we are, uh, some of the employment opportunities we have in the legal field. Um, First one we're gonna start out with, and bear with me here one second, are our student assistant positions. So what these are, these are more of opportunities for while you're in school. Um, if you're a fully matriculated student, it basically, we work around um, your class schedule. Uh, it's an opportunity to work up to 20 hours a week during the school session, uh, up to 37 and a half hours when you're on break. It's a good opportunity to get a background for what government work is like and working at a state agency um and this is something you would do concurrent while while you're you're in school um the next opportunity we have we fill um we we have two main positions that we fill from the legal specialties exam we have uh, attorney positions and then we have hearing officer positions so with the attorney position um it starts it would start out at the assistant attorney position assistant attorney one so what what we have is it's basically you would sign up to take a legal it's called the legal specialties exam and this is a I'm kind of jumping ahead of slide here, but we'll get to it eventually. But this is what's basically it's uh, education experience exam. It's a continuous recruitment. Um, they base your score based on experience you have, certifications, licenses, um, tasks you previously performed in the legal atmosphere. Um, so they basically it's almost like a survey. You, you would sign up for the test. They'll they'll send you the um, after you sign up, they'll send you a link to the exam and you go fill out all your your experience and qualifications. And they give you a score based on that. Um, from this exam, we fill these two titles, the attorney title, and we also fill the uh, hearing officer title, and we fill them at different levels. 
So the, uh, the attorney level would start out at the assistant attorney one, and this is a position you'd be eligible for um, right, at, right out of law school, pre-bar. It's also something I think if you're within, you're, you're eligible to sign up for the exam if you're within two months of, of uh, graduating. Um, but it starts out at the assistant attorney one, which is the qualifications for the minimum salary for that is 61,423. Now, as soon as you pass the bar, you would bump up to what's called an assistant attorney two. It's the next level of the traineeship. Um, and, and that's that's a starting salary of 68,017. And this would basically be, uh, you'd be an assistant attorney two for a year. After a year serving in the assistant attorney two, you'd be eligible for the assistant attorney three. After two years post bar experience, you'd be eligible for the senior attorney position, which is e equal to a grade 25. It starts out at 85,712. And then you would receive steps each year based on uh, satisfactory performance. Um, with the senior attorney, we are able to appoint at the highest level. So if you apply and you're eligible for the exam, and you have the two years post bar experience, you would start right out at the higher, highest level you're appointable to. So we, we can go as low as the assistant attorney one, but if you had two years post bar experience and you pass the bar, you would start right out at the grade 25 senior attorney. Um, the other position we fill is hearing officers uh, through this exam, and this is a similar structure. It starts out the assistant attorney one, um, the next level you go is the assistant attorney two, and then it goes to what's called the assistant hearing officer and again, the grade 25 is the journey level hearing officer position. Again, this is the same thing. It's based on where your experience is at that time. So you don't have to start out at the assistant attorney one. If you have two years post bar experience, you would start right out at the grade 25. If you had the bar, if you just passed the bar, you'd start out at the grade 20. It's basically based on where you are when you're appointed. Um, these next slides kind of go into a little bit about how to sign up for the exam. Um, basically, as I said, this is a continuous recruitment exam. Um, it goes, it's a rolling exam. Um, anytime you want to sign up, you can sign up. Um, once you sign up, they will send you, they will send you the, the link to the exam where you fill out your information and then they'll give you a score. I believe you can update it once a year your profile so if you you obtain any additional education or experience you can update your profile once a year and that'll actually change your score on the exam um, another interesting thing about this exam is this is filled through the selective certification process this is one of those titles these titles selective certification basically means it's a way for um, a hiring program they have certain specific experience and criteria that are needed day one for you to work this position. So what they do is they send it to civil service and civil service tailors a list like they basically tailor the scores, the rubrics. So it includes that specific skill set and will give you give candidates grades based on on the required skill set needed. Um, so so it can tailor tailor uh, the scores more towards the position they're looking to hire. So again, there's no written test. Um, this is kind of a rolling exam. Uh, what they do after you sign up and take the exam is they'll send out what's called canvas letters. Um, basically, it's a notice that we're anyone who's active on the list, they send a notification that we're looking to fill a position. Um, you would return the canvas letter. If you're interested, you would return the canvas letter um, with your resume, cover letter, and then they would contact you for interviews. The reason I touched on this is this is a process they're actually working, civil service is working really, really hard on to um, they're, they're working on the process. So right now everything is done through paper, paper mail. 
they are working on digitizing the process and they're they're kind of working so this site right now is is kind of being revamped as we currently and they're expecting to roll it out mid-june on the new one so we're hoping that we'll have digital canvases where they email you the canvas letters rather than the paper at that point in time Ooh, sorry i'll slow down here a little bit <laughs> um so just to sign up to take the exam you would download the nisap we've got the link on here um it also has the link to the legal specialties exam this will be changing again the link will still be the same but the exam announcement should be changing in the next month or so it did make it a little tough we would have had some screenshots of of what you would be looking at but with that changing we didn't include them um a reminder with these selective certification or with this exam a lot of it is very detail oriented because it's a, a experience a t and e which is a education and experiences based off of you want to be as detailed and accurate as you can in your responses when you're filling it out. Um, if you're not sure, just put more information because they're basing their grade off the information you provide and they're not going to assume anything. So the more information you provide, the better you're off. Um, All right. Turn it back over to Beth. <laughs> Thank you so much, Will. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so we're just going to open it up now. Um, if there are any questions at all uh, about the Department of Health benefits in general, uh, the exam uh, for the, the legal specialties exam at all, please feel free to ask them um, now. Or you're also welcome to uh, submit them if you think of any beyond today um, to recruit at health.ny.gov. And just a reminder before we get into any questions um, that we can, we will be providing this presentation to Joanne so she can distribute this to you for future reference. Um, before we take any questions, I just wanted to ask a few of you, Will, that you may be able to answer that might be helpful to kind of flesh out sure. some of the, <laughs> you got, you know these, <laughs> um, to flesh out some of the um, concepts explained. Can you describe what continuous recruitment means? Um, sure. So continuous recruitment is just, it's basically an ongoing recruitment effort. Um, we're always looking to fill these positions. Um, Actually, the state is looking to fill these positions in all agencies. Um, so there's, with other exams, there's basically one sign up a year, one sign up every few years. You sign up, they'll give you a date to take the exam, and that's it. If you miss it, you can't take it maybe for, for two, two years until they offer it again. With this one, with, with the ongoing, it's always there, so you can go and sign up whenever. If you already signed up and took it, you can only update it once a year after that. But it's there. There is no actual exam date. It's basically whenever you log on and sign up for it, and then they'll give you a score from that date. Great, great. Um, and I had one more. Um, what is the difference between the training and experience exam, which is what the legal specialties exam is, versus a traditional state exam? So most most of the traditional state exams are multiple choice exams. Again, like you would go in, um, they would they would give you a time and a location. You go in on a date and take the test, uh, multiple choice. This one is is just going to be based off your skills, experience, um, your licensures, uh, any certifications you may have. And basically, civil service has assigned a point value to all these different types of experience and will base your score based off that information you provide. Um, again, that's why it's very important to provide as much detail as possible because they aren't going to assume on, on your behalf necessarily if you don't give them enough information. So you want to be very clear. Great. Um, Joanne, did we have any questions? 
We Come do. In. We actually have one question in the chat um, from Hafsa. Before I read her question, I just wanted to um, speak to those, you know, the JD students who are on the call today that I really, if you are interested in state government, whether it's the Department of Health or another state agency, I really do encourage you to take the legal, ex legal specialties exam. Um, and, he, and it's not truly, as, as um, was mentioned previously, it's not really an exam, it's more of a questionnaire. Um, and now that graduation, for any third years that are on the call, graduation is less than two months away, so you can start that process right now. So that's my plug for legal specialties. So the question from Hasa is, um, hello, I am finishing my master's in healthcare compliance. Can I apply for the exam? So will you, the requirement for the exam is, bear with me one second. And just to be clear, well, Hafsa is a master's student, so she wouldn't have the legal, she doesn't have like, she's not getting a JD, so probably she wouldn't do the legal specialties, is that correct? She would do the civil service exam. Yep, we, there, there are other titles you'd be eligible to test for. This particular, the legal specialties, you would probably not be, be eligible for. Um, it's, it's basically based on the qualifications. So I think I don't have them right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's, uh, you, you, well, you would have to be taking the bar at some point. So Hafsa could take the civil service exam though, the one that's offered once a year, correct? Um, yeah, there are others. So there's, there's dependent, like there's, there's different exams for each title. So depending on what the like the qualifications required for each exam you would be eligible to take it so the the one you're probably thinking of is the professional careers opportunity exam um this is an exam it's it's offered about every two years and that's actually used to fill um a, mul a multitude of title like i i was going to say hundreds but it's a lot of titles um in every agency um so it's used for multiple civil service titles. So that's the professional careers opportunity. If you want to send me an email, I can send you a link with more information on that one too. Thank you. Um, and now uh, Mohammed has said hello in the chat. I didn't see a question yet, but I know Rebecca has her hand raised. So why don't we start with Rebecca? Hello, uh, thank you for this presentation. It's very helpful. I've answered a few of my questions I've had already. Um, but did I hear you say they're changing the legal specialties application? Do you recommend waiting for those changes to be made? So I, I believe that they are, are temporarily not no longer. So they, they put a pause on accepting new applications uh, actually last week. So, so it was kind of funny because we had this whole thing prepared and we knew they were working on a new exam, but um, they just notified us that they were going to, they were going to, pause pause and accepting new applications as of I, I believe it was Wednesday last week um, they are they, they they did let us know that they're expecting to reopen the the application process back in June and so I think that that I would check like I would still check the website for additional information because I would I believe they probably put some sort of notification on the website but at this point in time you wouldn't be able to sign up like if you tried to sign up today I don't believe it would let you Okay. Okay. And then kind of um, building off of that, once you sign up, so I would be signing up, um, I guess at that point, if it's June, I would have graduated already, but I wouldn't have known, taken the bar and known if I had passed it yet. So within the year that the, um, I guess the exam is good for, does it send you um, 
I guess, listings only for jobs that you're eligible for, or does it just kind of send you all listings? So you will have a, when you sign up for the exam, you have to create what's called an ny.gov account. And it's kind of, you may already have one because they use it for like DMV uses it when you go to get your license. Um, it's used throughout the state for all sorts of stuff. But basically any civil service exam, you're going to have to sign up through your ny.gov account. Um, you have a profile on that that you can update. So you can update your education when it gets updated. You would show up on all the lists, but you would show up. They basically have a different letter by each candidate's name that that designates the level of experience they have. So like it, it would be A, B or C where like A is A is they have not yet passed the bar. B would be like has passed the bar and C would be passed the bar and has the post experience. Um, so you would show up on the list on that like that. And that would be how they would know what level you would be able to be appointed at. But but like I said, you can also update the profile. So if you pass the bar, you would then show up on future lists with a different letter. Okay, great. So even though you can only submit the exam once a year, you still have the opportunity to like update your credentials. Absolutely. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. That was really helpful. Thank you for that question, Rebecca. Um, Mohammed's question is, I'm finishing my LLM, which qualifies me for the bar exam. I think I am qualified for this exam. Right. So his question is taking the LLM. He can take the legal specialties because he can sit for the bar. Is that correct? Yep, correct. All right. Mohammed, I hope that answered your question. And then Lana Harvey has a question. What is the next step after submitting the questionnaire if you still have to graduate? So so once you once you submit the application, they send you the questionnaire, you, you still have to graduate. You'll show up with the A next to your name. So they would be able to appoint you to an assistant attorney, you'd be appointable to an assistant attorney one. Um, you wouldn't be able to advance to the assistant attorney two until you pass the bar exam. So you could still be, you would still be appointable um, as long as you graduated law school, but you wouldn't be able to advance through the traineeship until you pass the bar. So I hope that answers your question, Lana. Um, so that means that, you know, once you, you can update your, um, you can update the legal specialties once you pass the bar. Um, Julie Cuneo has a question. If Actually, I think I'm missing a step. I'm sorry. Um, so I know that you're supposed to update when you've graduated. Is that something I'm supposed to do online or am I going to get something in the mail that allows me to change that status? It, it can be updated. Through, so you get an ny.gov account through um, that you sign up for the exams through civil service. And that's where you'll view your scores on any exams you've taken as well. Um, so you can update your information right through the ny.gov account. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we're, there might be like just a little bit confusion because we say the legal specialty exam, even though it's really more of a questionnaire, but then you can yes. still um, go in once you grad, you know, you can fill it in, you were able to fill it in two months prior to graduation, but now it's my understanding, Will, that you're saying there's a pause right now. They've kind of taken down the legal specialties while they revamp it. We'll bring it back up in June again. Correct. Okay, so and, if you and we can filled out the legal specialties in your third year, when you go to fill it out, you will have already graduated. So your first update will be when you pass the bar. Yes. Okay. I thank you, Lana. I was trying to make sure that I was correct on that as well. Um, Julie uh, Cuneo has a question. If you have a master's degree in addition to a law degree, would you start at a higher salary? For example, Julie is a licensed nurse practitioner a licensed and a licensed RN. So she's just wondering if she could start a tad higher on salary. 
So the the level you would be appointed at, it would it would be unfortunately it wouldn't be related to the master's degree. It would be based off of your post um, for at, for this particular title series. It's all based off of the post bar experience. Um, so like you would come in. There's there's you would come in without prior state experience. You're going to come in at the hiring rate. If you have prior state experience, they do a promotional calculation. Um, but the hiring rate you would receive would be based on basically your level of education. So if you had, if you had just the the post bar or you just graduated, you would only get the grade 18 salary starting out. If you graduated and had the bar, it would be the grade 20 salary hiring rate. Um, and I, they, these were on the previous slide. So I think it's, um, it would be 61423 if you had just graduated. Um, the once you pass the bar, it would be sixty-eight uh, seventeen, and then if you had one year post bar experience, it would be seventy-five five three eight, and then two years post bar experience would be eighty-five seven twelve. Um, another thing, though, to consider that I didn't touch on earlier is a lot of opportunities you're going to see as far as um, other. There are other attorney opportunities that are available in state government that are what are called exempt positions. And these are positions that are um, not necessarily filled through the exam process, but they're also what's called temporary positions. So they're great opportunities. And a lot of times they're hired at higher salaries, but even with accepting an appointment into an exempt position, it's helpful to be on this, this list as well, because what you can do is you can ask for a hold item. So if you get a temporary appointment into an exempt position, you and for some reason, like say say the, the governor changes or something like that, and like that position may it may be allocated for something else. You're not you have your hold item to fall back on, so so it gives you an additional um, security security blanket kind of. Um, it also would make you eligible. So exempt positions are also kind of stagnant in salary. You get appointed to it, so you may get appointed to a higher salary right away, but you don't get steps each year. Um, and I apologize because I kind of am going into a little bit more of the technical aspects of like the state uh, merit system. But that will like kind of, it basically like makes you able to take promotional exams. It's it's always good to have a competitive hold even if you accept a exempt temporary position. So this, it, it's, it's I, I don't know if I explained that well. I probably went a little off the rails, I apologize. <laughs> Very helpful, thank you. Uh, Rebecca has another question. I do. Um, so with the retirement program, let's say you work in like a New York state agency for like five years, then leave and go to the private sector and come back. Do they kind of, do they work off of each other? Or do you have to start over? You, you will be whatever. So like right now, I believe it's tier six. If you work for this, um, the way the state works. So like if you work at all for the state and are, are, entered into a tier and you leave and come back, you'd still be, so say they get to tier eight, when you come back, you'd still be tier six because you worked, you worked during. So, so there's a lot of people right now who are tier four, which is actually a really, really great tier. Um, and so like they, they basically get all the benefits. You, you would maintain your benefits for whatever tier you started out at. Thank you. Do we have any other questions? Any other hands raised? Any other questions for our guests? This was really helpful. Um, and I will definitely share the PowerPoint with all of you. 
And um, at this juncture, I don't think we have any more questions. All right. Um, thank you so much for having us. Um, just a reminder to folks tuning in or folks who may be watching this recorded at some point in the future, um, please feel free to email us, the recruit at health.ny.gov. Um, again, we're always happy to answer questions on an ongoing basis. And like I said, you know, there are Sometimes, you know, working with the civil service system can be a little bit intimidating. Sometimes it can be confusing. We're always here to ha and happy to help walk you through it, answer any questions that you have along the way, get on the phone, um, share a screen, anything like that. We're happy to do that. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. We did have one question from Mohammed. Mohammed wanted to know if we if you have part time positions. Um, and Mohammed, I'm not, Mohammed, if memory serves me correctly, is getting his LLM. So I don't know if he'd be qualified for the student positions or if you have full-time, part-time positions. I meant part-time positions that are after graduation. That didn't make any sense, full-time, part-time. So I'm sorry about so that. So we, we don't really have a lot of part-time positions, um, just the student assistant positions, and you would need to be matriculated at that point in time. Um, so if it was post-graduation, we we don't have a ton of part-time opportunities. I know there are some contract opportunities that get posted on our website, um, which is DOH, uh, no wait. For state jobs? Yeah, DOH. Uh, Statejobs.ny.gov. And then also I think our website right at the bottom. DOH. Can, Elizabeth, while, um, while they're looking that up, so when you go on statejobs.ny.gov and a student will see competitive and non-competitive, right? Yes. So can you just one more time explain to our um, students the difference between competitive and non-competitive? Certainly, yes. Okay, so competitive exam... Competitive positions are ones that um, you would need to take an exam for, similar to the ones that are filled through legal specialties. Um, they're 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 saw basically it's it's filled through the merit system. You can test; it's practical to test for the skill sets that are needed. Um, so you take like an exam, and they hire off a list. For non-competitive positions, it's been deemed that these positions it's not practical to hold an exam to fill you know, to fill these positions, there's either not enough people with the skill sets that it would be practical to hold the exam, or you can't really test for the skill sets that you're looking for that are needed for these positions. Um, in these instances, there's basically min minimum qualifications that are listed and preferred qualifications that you're looking for. Um, and you just need to meet those, those qualifications for appointment. You don't um, with this, this is similar to what I was kind of talking about, touching on with the exempt items as well. The non-competitive ones are kind of temporary positions, so you want to kind of have a hold item. You can't test. So big difference, you can't test for promotional exams and non-competitive items, um, which which is like a big thing. It's, it it, it kind of is limiting to your career mobility. That is so helpful. Thank you so much. All right, last call. Any other questions from our audience? All right, well, I'd like to personally thank everyone who was on the call today. This information was so helpful. Um, oh, wait, Hafsa has one more question. Uh, she 
Hafsa is asking about contractor opportunities. You mean contract opportunities? So, I know that we do have different contractors that uh, the department uses. We aren't necessarily involved in the recruitment for those positions. Um, I know one of the organizations we use is Health Research Incorporated or HRI. Um, some of those positions, this is this is the website I was trying to think of earlier, and I apologize for not thinking of it, health.ny.gov. Um, if you go to that page, at the very bottom of the page, there's a link for employment opportunities, and it actually, when you go to that link, it'll have some of the different contract opportunities that are available. And that was healthny.gov? Health.ny.gov. Okay, I'll just put that in the chat. Oh, there you go. Thank you, Beth. All right. Well, thank you again to our, our guest speakers. This was really helpful. Um, I will uh, send this PowerPoint out to all of you on the call. Um, and, uh, you know, on behalf of all of us, I think this was great. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye.